Hello everyone and welcome back to the Scouting God Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to try to read all the Mary Badge books that Scouting has to offer. In this episode, we are going to be reading Citizenship in the World. This is part 3, so if you're following along, we are on page 52. And if you have any questions or suggestions about the podcast, please email me at thescoutinggodpodcast at gmail.com. Now, let's begin. Scarcity and Surplus No matter what type of economic system a nation has, it depends on certain resources to produce goods and services. Here are the basic resources, called factors of production. Natural resources, renewable and non-renewable resources, product by nature. Human capital, knowledge and skills that workers acquire through education, training, and experience. Physical capital. Stock of equipment and structures used to produce goods and services, including money. Technical knowledge, society understanding of the best way to produce goods and services. Different countries have different amounts of these resources, so they use them differently. Singapore has few natural resources, but much human capital. So, it specializes in manufacturing goods, such as computer and office equipment that requires a large labor force. What to import or export? To determine what goods and services to specialize in, most nations concrete on producing what they can most easily and cheaply transport to other markets. If the United States produces more wheat than it can use, a surplus, and Japan use, produces more electronic components than it can use, then the United States can export its surplus wheat to Japan and import Japan's surplus components. Through specialization and trade, these two countries can get more of both products. What one factor of a nation considers when deciding whether to export or import a product in the free market is the domestic price compared to the world price for the same product. For example, if the domestic world price for broccoli is $1.25 per pound and the world price is $1.79, then the nation could gain $0.54 cents per pound by exporting broccoli. If, on the other hand, the domestic price for broccoli is $1.79 per pound and the world price is $1.25, then the nation would import broccoli when a country allows free trade and exports a product. The domestic producers of the world product are better off because they receive the higher world price. However, the customers of the good are worse off because they now have to pay the higher world price. When a country imports a good, Domestic customers of that good are better off because they now pay the lower world price, but domestic producers of the good are worse off because they have to drop the domestic price of their good to compete with the world price. Even though trade doesn't make everyone better off at the same time, it does raise the nation's standard of living. Free Trade Barriers in Economic Alliances At times, however, when domestic procedures are fueling the negative effects of importing goods, They will often pressure the government to protect them. If the domestic broccoli producers described earlier wanted to continue growing broccoli instead of switching to another crop, they might ask the government to levy a tariff on broccoli imports. The tax raises the price of imported broccoli above the world price by the amount of the tariff. Now, domestic producers can sell broccoli at a price equal to the world price surplus on the tariff and complete with foreign producers. This tariff reduces the quantity of imports and generates revenue income uh, from the tax for government. Some U.S. industries complain that America is flooded with low-cost goods from foreign markets. 
Domestic automobile and clothing manufacturers, for example, say the cost of labor is so cheap in third world countries that they cannot compete. These industries lobby, try to influence the government to protect their businesses by imposing quotas, which are limits on the amount of specific items that can be imported. Tariffs and quotas are called trade barriers because they block free trade. Many people disagree about whether the economy benefits from efforts to protect industries and jobs by resurrecting trade, international trade agreements, and economic alliances. International trade agreements are treaties to develop and promote trade among nations. Nations often agree to buy specific products from each other. These treaties provide the participating countries with special treatment such as easing or eliminating trade barriers. One of the most important international trade agreements is the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, which is the only military treaty that established agreed upon rulers for world trade. According to a provision called the Most Favored Nation Clause, two parties that have signed a GATT agreement will offer each other the same advantages that they have offered to or plan to offer third parties. These advantages usually apply to tariffs. Today, the World Trade Organization oversees the who complaints with those rules. More than 144 nations belong to the WTO. Its purpose is to liberalize international trade by reducing the tariffs and subs subsides and abolishing quotas on certain products. Often, nations try to strengthen their own economies by forming a regional alliance with other economies. They integrate their markets by reducing barriers to free market trade among certain countries, creating common trade barriers to outside nations, concording places about taxes and specific business activities. These regional trade blocks take the forms of free trade areas and economic unions. The North American Free Trade Act is a trade agreement among Mexico, Canada, and the United States. NAFTA removed trade barriers in order to promote free trade movement of goods and services across borders in 2004. Canada and Mexico were the United States' top two trading partners for combined exports and imports. The European Union is an economic and monetary union of 25 member nations that share a common currency called the euro. The EU is becoming an increasingly powerful player in the world market. Argued that the nations have given up some measure of sovereignty to prepare in free trade areas and economic unions like the European Union. Balance of payment and foreign exchange. Nations are like big families with budgets. They shop, work, buy, and sell. At the end of the day, the money they spend should equal the money they earn. The balance of trade is the difference over a period of time between the value of a country's imports and exports. If the value of what the country exports is greater than what it imports, the country has a trade surplus. If the value of its imports is greater than the value of its exports, however, the country has a trade defect. A nation must add several other items to its trade balance to know if it really has a balanced budget. Government purchases abroad investments across international borders, and changes in the values of government holdings of gold and foreign currencies. 
Once a nation calculates all of its international transactions over a period of time, including foreign aid and income from tourists, it determines its balance of payments. How a nation balances its accounts depends on a foreign policies, economic opportunities or risks, and the value of its currency. If you traded your friends five pairs of new basketball shoes for five new CDs, do you call it even? Probably not. You might have calculated the value of the items traded and figured out how much your friends still owed you. Nations handle their balances of payment in a similar way. However, because countries use different currency systems, they need new ways to adjust how they pay for their debts for each other. The foreign exchange rate is the price of one currency in terms of another. Exchange rates are important because they affect the relative price of domestic and foreign goods. If a country currency appreciates or rises in value compared to another currency's, then the country's goods aboard exports becomes more expensive and foreign goods in that country imports becomes cheaper. When a country's currency decreases or loses value compared to another country's, then its exports become cheaper and imports become more expensive. Tourists and traveling abroad hopes their country is strong compared with the country in the foreign country because meals, hotels, and souvenirs will not cost as much. For example, if an American went to Philippines, this tourist would find that one U.S. dollar equals almost, almost 49 Philippines per pesos. So a hotel, hotel room in Melania that costs 1,200 Philippines pesos per night would cost about 25 U.S. dollars. However, an American tourist in Europe might be surprised to find that U.S. dollars is weak compared to the euro. A hotel in Brussels that costs 63 per, per night would cost about 90 U.S. dollars. The exchange rate depends on the supply and demand for the country in the foreign exchange market, so the rate changes every day. The challenge rate on a particular day is called the spot rate. The rate of change between two countries' currencies for a particular transaction is called the cross rate. Foreign countries can be bought and sold now and delivered in the future. These transactions are done by purchasing or a buying or selling contract for a specific country in the foreign exchange market. This exchange rate is called the forward rate. You can find foreign exchange rates in the business section of many cities, newspapers, financial publications, such as the Wall Street Journal published daily listings of the spot rates and forward rates of major world countries. Countries will not allow their exchange rates to drop too low. They maintain a special stack of foreign currencies known as international reserves. When a country decreases too much, a nation will intervene in the foreign exchange market and buy some of its own currency with its international reserves in order to stabilize the exchange rate. Since the United States is the world's leading trading nation, most countries maintain their international reserves in U.S. dollars. Many nations also accept U.S. dollars as payment. In this way, the dollar often functions as an international mon monetary unit. So the foreign exchange rate of the dollar is important not only to the United States, but also to those countries found in their international reserves with dollars. The global economy and international trade link all nations. What happens in one country has a ripple effect throughout the world. 
political problems, or a natural disaster in one country could delay shipments of raw materials to another country, causing production slowdowns, which leads to layoffs or firing of employees. Now, these countries are exporting less, creating a trade defect, and unemployment workers are spending less in their own economics, causing the demand for domestic products to drop. The ripple effect continues. It is important to understand the basic concepts about the global economy and international trade because it leads to questions about the people behind the products. Why is labor so cheap in the third world countries? How can millions of people each live on less than $2 a day? Are children working in adult jobs? As your knowledge increases, so does your compassion for people around the world and your appreciation of your own way of life. United Nations System the United Nations is a municipal organization established after World War II to ensure that nations would work together to avoid war in the future. It is neither a government nor a nation, so it has no sovereign power of its own. Although it cannot determine the legitimacy of a nation, it can accept credentials of for membership. As of October 2013, UN memberships included 193 independent nations. Each member nation is a member of the General Assembly and has one vote. Dependencies are represented intersectionally by their ruling countries. They, like areas of special sovereignty, are invited to be observers at sessions of the General Assembly and to maintain permanent offices at the UN headquarters in New York City. Goals of the United Nations The United States was the first nation in 1945 to ratify the UN Charter, which is, in effect, the written constitution of the United Nations. According to the Charter, the goals of the United Nations are to maintain international peace and the collective security and promote cooperation in solving international, political, economic, social, court, culture, and humanitarian problems. In order to achieve its goals, the United Nations de developed key objectives for the 21st century. Promotion the creation of independence and democratic societies. Protecting human rights. Saving children from starving and disease. Providing relief assistance to refugees and disaster victims. Countering global crime, drugs, and disease. Assisting countries devastated by war and the long-term threat of landmines. Structure of the United Nations. The UN character organiza organizes the United Nations into six principal organs. General Assembly, Security Council, Economic and Social Council, Theodorship Council, International Court of Justice, and Secret Chat. Except for International Court of Justice, also known as the World Court, which is located in the huge of the Netherlands, the other organs operate out of the UN headquarters. These main bodies work and through subsidiary UN organizations and specialized agencies. Specialized agencies of the United Nations, such as the International Monetary Fund, are separate anonymous organizations related to the United Nations by special agreements. Call for reform. 
Most people think of the United Nations efforts in terms of peacekeeping and military conflictions. Historically, however, its more valuable contributions are in the areas of international law and development of nations. Citizens of many nations believe that the United Nations is out of step with world changes. The balance of power has shifted since 1945. Countries are no longer under colonial control and all trust treaties are now self-governing or have gained their independence. Some nations are demanding an increase on the number of permanent members of the Security Council. Others, judged at the United States, question how much sovereignty they have to give up in order to cooperate in the United Nations. Third-world countries from the majority of members of the UN General Assembly where they have objected to the widening gap between rich and poor nations. Many of these nations think that the United Nations is too financially dependent on the United States and other first world countries. If the wealthy nations refuse to pay their dues, they can severely handicap the United Nations' ability to fulfill its purpose. Unless the majority of citizens around the world see the United Nations as representing their interests, and not just the interests of the permanent members of the Secondary Council and their allies, then they will not trust the United Nations if that happens. The United Nations will not be able to function anywhere. Global Issues, Watchdogs, and Avocates Global issues are boiling in pots around the world. Many of us don't lift the lids because we are not hungry, but the problems still boil. Because it is easy to ignore issues that don't seem to affect us directly or are too complicated to be solved by one per person, we tend to leave the world's problems to the politicians. However, global issues such as environmental damage, contaminated food products, and infectious diseases affect us all. Activists such as watchdogs and advocates keeps these problems in front of world's citizens, policymakers, and intergovernmental agencies. United Nations organizations often appoint celebrities as goodwill ambassadors to bring attention to global issues, human rights issues. Although today human rights have a higher place on foreign policy agendas, nations disagree about what kind of rights are most important. In first world countries, particularly in the West, the critical human rights are individual freedoms. In third world countries, where making ends meet a common problem, world economic and social rights are most important in the political and civil rights. Children have the rights to survival, good health, development, and protection. Yet millions suffer from poverty, malnutrition, preventable diseases, and the trauma of war. Many are recruited to serve as soldiers or forced to work in sweatshops. Wars and paramedics have orphaned millions of children and forced survivors into refugee camps or defend for themselves. In parts of the world, women are still regarded too as property. They are not allowed to finish school and are married off as girls. Their lack of education has a direct impact on the population, expulsion, and the poor health of families. Genocide. The extermination of a racial, ethnic, religious, or political group still occurs. In 1994, 
extremists controlling the government of the African nations, Rwanda, systematically killed a half of a million people. How nations deal with the reports and fact of genocides and other human rights abuse depends on national interests and foreign policies. Tragically for the victims, nations are reluctant to interfere if the human rights issues don't directly threaten the higher issues of national security and economic interests. Thank you for listening to part 3 of Citizenships in the World Merit Badge book reading.